If you brought your Bibles this morning, and I hope that you have, turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, Let me talk to you just a moment about how we got to where we're at. I do not plan on preaching this message on this subject this morning. I didn't. I had somewhere else in mind that I thought the Lord wanted me to go to today. I had a whole nother, and maybe, maybe I'll get to preach it next week or the week after or sometime in the future. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Lord wants me to just throw that one away. I have no idea. We'll see, all right? But the message that I'm preaching today, I want to I, I talk a little bit about Noah this morning, okay? Um, I know that I used him as an example last week, and so I didn't really preach on Noah, but I used him as an example, so I talked about him quite a bit last week. And, I, and for that reason, I kept telling myself, right, especially the latter part of the week and yesterday, I kept telling myself, no, I'm not going to preach on Noah. I talked about Noah last week. I'm not going to preach about Noah. But God just wouldn't leave me alone, right? And I kept looking at everything, and then finally I was like, why don't we just leave the decorations up, and we'll take them down, uh, you know, Monday night instead of last night, you know, because I said everybody was tired. But really I was thinking... The stage is literally set, all right, for me to preach a little bit about Noah this morning, okay? So I'm going to try, thank you, Jennifer. I'm going to try to take it from a different, a little bit different angle, though, okay? All right, so Hebrews chapter 11, I want to read verse 7, and then we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says, By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Let us pray together. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you one more time. God, we thank you for the good day and for the many blessings. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you've given us to gather here, to worship you together, to fellowship together, to serve you together. We thank you, Lord, for the roof you put over our head. We thank you for the nation that we live in, the freedom that we have to gather here without any kind of fear of persecution. But we thank you most of all this morning for your son, Jesus. Lord God, that you sent him and that you give him so that we might have life and have that life eternally and abundantly. Lord, we could never thank you enough. We could never do enough to repay you. We're not worthy, and we know that. And God, you still saw fit. You still did it anyway. And so God, let us be a people that always has praise and glory on our lips because you alone are worthy. And Lord, as we go forward this morning in this service, Continue to have your way and your will in our midst. Move in a mighty way. Lord, help us get out of the way and let you be God of this service here this morning. Lord, if there's any among us that's lost and undone, any that's not sure where they stand with you, any that has any question or doubt, if they were to die right now, what would happen next? Where would they spend eternity? Lord, let today be the day Lord, that you, that you touch those people, that their hearts are pricked. God, that they, that they would realize that they've got to repent and get things right with you 
before it's everlasting too late. Lord, manifest yourself, Lord, uh, to them in a miraculous way today, maybe in a way like you never have before. And God will be sure and give you the glory for it, all of the glory. And Lord, uh, let me just ask another thing of you. I'm not fit, I'm not worthy, I'm not able to preach your word here this morning. I've got nothing to say, lest you give it to me to say. So I'm asking, Lord, that you would just preach me one more time here this morning. God, that you would use me as your vessel to deliver your word here this morning. And I'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. Lord, I'm asking for your anointing. I'm asking for your holy unction. I'm asking that you'd clear my mind of everything but your message, your thoughts, your words. Place on my tongue the very words you'd have me to speak. Lord, help it just come from, uh, it come from you through my spirit to theirs. And we'll be sure and give you the glory. God, have your way and your will. We love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. We ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. I want to talk about Noah. I, I, I feel like if you're not super familiar with the story of Noah, I apologize. Um, when you sit down with your Bible next, go back to Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8 and read through those. Well, on through chapter 9 too. And read through those and familiarize yourself with the story of Noah. But because I talked about it last week, because so many of you were here through the VBS, and that's what we talked about and taught the kids over and over. Uh, of course, we learned through repetition. I, I'm not going to so much focus on the story of Noah and his ark as I am going to focus on Noah himself. Okay? I want to talk about Noah and his character and what is the most, right, the most distinguishable, I don't know if distinguishable is the right word, the most prominent character of the man Noah. Now, it talks about how he is perfect and upright and he's just. And the Bible talks about how he saw grace or how he found grace in God's eyes, right? It, 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 it talks about all of these things, right? That he was perfect in his generations and that he walked with God. As a matter of fact, that's what um, Genesis chapter 6, verses 8 and 9 says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then it says these are the uh, generations of Noah. And Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. So those are all descriptors of him. But the most prominent descriptor of, his, of who Noah was as a person and as a man, I think has to be his faith. It has to be his faith because he's recorded here in the, uh, I call this the Hall of Fame, right? You know, we're familiar with Hall of Fame. There's a Hall of Fame for everything. Now, well, the Bible has its own, but it, it's a Hall of Faith. And so here is this Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11, and it just goes through, you know, and it talks about, Jake read the first verse where it defines faith, right? And then in verse uh, uh Two, it tells us that it was by faith that the elders found a good report. Verse 3 says, It was through faith that we understand that the, the worlds were framed by the word of God. And, and, and it describes that, right? And then it starts a whole list in verse 4. By faith, right? Abel. 
Verse 5, by faith, Enoch. Verse 6, uh, it tells us, it describes something, tells us that without faith it's impossible to please God, right? And then it continues on in verse 7, by faith, Noah, right? Verse 8, by faith, Abraham. Uh, verse 9, uh, uh, by faith, it's still talking about Abraham. Uh, verse 10 is still talking about, by faith, what he was looking for, right? Verse 11, it talks about through faith, Abraham's wife, uh, Sarah, uh, that she received strength to conceive a child, right? And so it just goes on, and then, of course, we go on through the rest of this chapter, and we find on later on uh, that, you know, verse 20, by faith, Isaac. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph. Verse 23, by faith, Moses, right? Uh, so it just goes on, and there's a, a, a bigger list of names there at the end if you go a little farther. So we've got all of this. And it's talking about the faith of Noah, the faith of all these men. And specifically, I want to focus on the faith of Noah. So as I think about that, and I come back to this verse 7, and I look here specifically of why, how, who Noah was. The things that Noah did are so nicely summed up here. The reason he is known as a man of faith. And so the first thing that comes to my mind is that Noah had a relationship with God, right? You're not going to be a person of faith, right? Here in chapter 11, this is a list, uh, a list of men and women through the scriptures who by faith followed God, who by faith uh, obeyed God, who by faith done miraculous things, not in their own power and their own strength, but in God's power and in God's strength. And so, I mean, we've got a whole set, even though none of them were perfect, right? If we go through and study their lives, we could find things in, in all of their lives to fault them with, but they were still men and women of faith. They are still, in that regard, examples for us. And so here is Noah, that in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9, it says that, he, that Noah was a man who walked with God. He had a relationship with God, right? We know that Noah walked with God on a daily basis, right? Here is what I'm trying to say. Here's what I'm trying to get at in this first part here is Noah was a man who did not simply know about God. He knew God, right? I mean, you realize that there's a big difference there between knowing about God and knowing God and walking with God, having a relationship with God, personal fellowship with God, right? An intimate relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. I'll tell you how first, my first time of realizing and discovering this concept of knowing God, not just knowing about God, but actually knowing God. I was, as you know, I, was, I wasn't raised in a Christian family, really. I wasn't raised in a church-going family. I wasn't saved at a young age. I was 27 before I got saved. Um, God threw me, he called me to preach the night I got saved. Um, I didn't know, I didn't understand. I, I had so little knowledge of how 
Um, God worked. Um, I didn't even know that's how you become a preacher, that God called you. I didn't understand any of that. God spoke to my heart that night that I got saved. I just couldn't quite comprehend and understand what he was, what he was asking me to do. And then once I started to comprehend it, then it scared me to death, you know. And it took me a little while. I didn't answer immediately. It took me close to six months, at least five months before I answered my call. But anyway, so I got saved as an adult. And then within a few months, I'm preaching. Within a couple months, I'm preaching every service at a church that badly wants me to be their pastor. And I keep saying no because I just don't feel like I've got... I'd been a Christian long enough that I knew enough for anything. Not much longer than after that, they're wanting me to teach a, a Bible study that I feel just equally ill-equipped to teach. And so I told Jennifer, I'd finally relented and give in to teach the Bible study. It was on the book of Acts. And I told Jennifer, I said, I, I got to find some... I mean, I mean, I had a few resources. You know, I had a Bible, a concordance dictionary. It seemed like I had a couple commentaries somebody had given me. I had a, uh, I had a vine. I had a, I had a few resources, not a lot, but a few. And I told Zephyr, I said, uh, I, need, I, I need to find me some. And, and now think back. This is, I guess I was slow on the uptake. You can find a lot of resources for free on apps and on the Internet and things like that. You know, there's some good stuff out there and if, and if you're curious and want to know you you come talk to me and I can point you in the right direction on some stuff right there's some equally bad stuff out there that you don't want to get tangled up with but there's some good resources out there that is available free but you see this is before all that right there there was no such thing as a smartphone this is free iPhone or anything like that right I thought a flip phone was smart because you can make a phone call on it anywhere you address cell reception this is not that you know I you know it wasn't that long ago not the times that we live in now. I didn't have internet in my house, and if I did, I wouldn't have known how to use it then anyway. So I told Jennifer, so this Saturday, when you go to Springfield, when you go to a Christian bookstore, um, that's when CPO was still open up. I said, I know that there's, gonna, there's so many good books in there. I need to find something specifically on the book of Acts that will help me. I went I'm just blindly looking, right? Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a marketer's dream, right? What, if whatever looks pretty is probably what I'm going to buy. I just didn't know anything, you know? Didn't even have enough sense to ask. And so anyway, so we're going, and I'm looking through the, the shelves and, and looking for something, and of course there's a bunch of these little pamphlet-type Bible studies and stuff, and I'm thinking, no, I, I, you know, that stuff was always... I don't know. I, I never was a big fan. I wanted something with more depth than that, right? I've always wanted something with more depth than that. And so anyways, I come across, I found this, nine, it looked like a textbook from school or college is what it looked like. And it was laid out like a textbook. This is something I'm familiar with, right? In, in the way that, you know, they had divided up and everything. And I'm like, bam, this is it, Jennifer. Yes, this is this will help me, right? This is going to make all the difference to me teaching that Bible thing. That's how dumb I was. But anyways, <laughs> ignorant is the right word. I just didn't know any better. That's how ignorant I was. I bought that. I went home. I was excited. Answered my problems. I was going to be best Bible study teacher ever now. You know, I had this book. 
Now don't mistake what I'm getting ready to say because there's a lot of good godly men who have, wrought, who have written a lot of good godly commentaries that you can glean from. More I, more I got into this, the more I used that book, and I used it, man, probably half of that Acts, and in any ways it just, I don't know, as time went on, I'm growing spiritually the whole time. I'm getting, God is giving me more discernment. And the more I'm reading what this guy has written, the more I realize I'm reading a book written by a man who knows the Bible far better than I do. Probably better than most of the preachers that I know. But he had no clue who God was. He knew a lot about God but he did not know God personally. There was no person, it become evident to me, I don't want to judge somebody's salvation, but based on his writing and what he was saying and how he was saying it and how the Spirit was bearing witness with me as I was going through there, he knew a lot about God, but he did not know God. No personal relationship. That scares me. And that worries me for us that are sitting here, right? How easy would it be for you to be in that same, to love yourself in that same position, right? You come to church every Sunday, every time the doors are open. You come to Bible study. You even, you know, read your Bible when you can on occasion, daily, whatever might be your habit, you know. You've been brought up that way. Uh, maybe you had parents that went, to, that went to church, and so you had all these things happen in your head from an early age. But how easy it is. All of these facts that you can just spit back out whenever somebody asks you about God. But not to know Him personally yourself. Not to have a relationship with Him. Not to have the confidence that whenever you're in your time of need that you can humble yourself and call out to Him and knows that He hears you and answers you. I know, know that the flood was coming because he walked with God daily. He had a personal relationship with God. He didn't just know about God. That's great. We need to know about God. But he knew God. So that's the first thing about Noah. Why Noah is in the hall of faith and is talked about as a man of faith. It's because he didn't just simply knew about God. He, he knew God. Personally, could I ask you the question? Do you know God? Or do you just know about Him? That's a question that we need to ask ourselves. Second thing that I picked up from here is Noah listened to the Word of God. Right? It says here in, in verse uh, 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, right? God told Noah something that was going to happen that had never happened before. He told Noah what was going to happen, and he told Noah what he should do, right, to make preparations, and Noah listened. Noah listened to the Word of God. Can I ask you something whenever I think about this? Do you allow the Word of God to challenge your life? 
right? Do you, do, here's really maybe the way the question should be put, is do you change your thinking to fit with what the Bible says, or do you try to make the Bible fit with what you already think? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying there? The distinction that I am drawing between those two things, right? We can either let the Word of God shape us and form our thoughts. I don't care how long you've been a Christian, how long you've been reading, whenever you come across something and God convicts you from His Word of it, right? And you realize in order to fit with His Word, he needs to make some, you need to make some changes, right? Do you, do you allow the Word of God, do you allow God to work through His Word in that way where you listen to Him? Or do you just proof text the Bible? Do you just find whatever verse you can to justify whatever it is that you want to do? Or whatever it is that you're already doing? We're kind of bad about doing that. We're kind of bad about already having an idea, having a preconceived notion, right? A way that we think of, about something or whatever. And when the Word of God comes along and challenges us, instead of changing our thinking to match what the Word of God says, we try to change the Word of God to match what we're thinking. We'll find us a, another verse, and we'll do backflips with it. We'll rip it out of context. If that don't work, we'll start going through translations of the Bible until we'll find one that says what we want. Has God's Word ever caused you to change your direction in life? If you want to know, if you're sitting there wanting to know if I'm talking about you or not, that's a question for you to answer to yourself. Has the Word of God ever caused you to change the direction in your life? It did Noah. It did Noah. That, That brings me to the next thing, which is closely related to that. Is It says here in verse 11 that Noah um, prepared an ark to the saving of his household. Right? Noah acted upon what God said. Not only did he walk with God and have a relationship with God so that he could hear God when God talked, but there's a difference between hearing and listening, right? And so anyways, Noah wasn't just hearing, you know, wasn't just hearing, he was listening to what God was saying, and he allowed it to have an effect on him to change his view of things, his outlook, right? And Noah acted upon what God said. Now, this preparing an art to the saving of his household. I want you to remember that because I'm probably going to come back to that a few times. But understand that the building of this ark was a long-term project. I don't know just exactly how long it took, right? Um, I think Sandy taught the kids yesterday that it probably took close to 100 years. Uh, I think that kind of goes along with what it says in Genesis chapter 6, right? Where it said that, you know, when they first introduced all this in either verse 2 or 3, it, God says that he's not going to strive with man forever, but, you know, 120 years is going to be the cap on it. And so anyways, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking that that's probably at least part of what it's talking about there. And so anyways, this building, that, that great big boat, right, that didn't just happen overnight. My goodness, we couldn't even build this little bitty boat overnight. In case you notice, it's only got one side. (laughs) It took him a while. It was a long-term deal. You ever thought about what all he went through during that? Do you think all of his neighbors were supportive? 
Do you think that they just pitched in? Do you think they said, oh, Noah, cheered him on? That's a great idea. No, of course not. I don't know because the scripture doesn't say, but I'd say they ridiculed him and mocked him. I, I know they didn't believe him because if they believed him, they'd have been on the boat with him. It wasn't easy. I promise you it wasn't easy. It was a difficult, long-term project. But Noah, by faith, prepared an ark to the saving of his family, right? He had staying power. He was in it for the long haul. There is too many today that are not in it for the long haul. Too many that are flip-flopping around back and forth, right? Too many who are in one day and out the next day. Too many who are wishy-washy and flip-floppers, right? Too many who are, who are super holy Christians on Sunday and just worldly, worldly people on Monday. There's too many that are caught up in their own lives. Too many uh, that are jumping around and bouncing around from here to there, not giving any stability to their homes, to their churches, and to their communities. Whatever happened to consistency and to commitment? Let me ask you this this way. Do you change every time the wind changes? Or are you in it for the long haul? Are you going to hang in there and endure what you know and do what you know God wants you to do, regardless of what the world thinks, regardless of what culture thinks. Look, we look at the culture and, and, and what's happening right now, and if you study history, you'll see it takes swings, right? Big swings from one way to the other, right? It, it has been, the culture has been pretty bad at times before, and it's made swings back, right? God sent revival, he sent messengers, things have happened. There's been a re religious awakenings, there's been conservative movements, right? We have seen it swing, the pendulum swing one way and the other, and we don't know if this is the very end time and God is coming back, or if the pendulum is going to make a swing back the other other way, there's going to be times where it's going to be easy to serve God. There's going to be times when you're going to be threatened and maybe even lose your life for serving God. Are you in it for the long haul, no matter what? The Bible says that Noah, he was in it for the long haul. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house, right? That's talking about his family. Listen to me. His family hung in the balance on what he did. Them being saved or not being saved was based on what no, whether or not, or not Noah obeyed God. Did you ever think about, did you ever realize that your family hangs in the balance? That it makes just as much difference to your family what you do and the life that you live as it did to Noah's family? Did you ever realize that? That's why the example here is here and it's said the way that it is. Let me throw another one out there to you. Noah's character that we get from here. Noah was willing to, and I've already alluded to this, but Noah was willing to face opposition in order to take a stand for God. Now, I alluded to that a minute ago, but let me just plainly say it. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, it said, talking about God, he, that he spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Noah's actions condemned everyone who did not heed God's warning. 
Now that's kind of a deep thought. You've got to kind of think about that for a minute, but that's what the Word of God tells us and teaches us that. It is the same with us. Our righteous actions, not that we intend to, but it accentuates, right? Our godly living, our righteous actions, holiness accentuates unholiness, unrighteousness, ungodliness, right? It makes it more pronounced, right? It draws a, a, a distinct distinction between the two. That's why, that's why the unholy, the unrighteous, and the ungodly get so angry. Because we choose to serve God instead of, choo- instead of choosing to serve the flesh. So, let me ask you. Are you willing to take a stand for what you believe? Regardless of what it may cost you. Are you willing... To even go so far as to die for it. Are you willing? Are you willing to go? Are you willing to give everything if that's what God was to ask and require? What's more important to you? Your bank account or your relationship with God? What's more important to you? Your pride, right? Worried about how other people might think or feel? Or your relationship with God? What's more important? Your personal comfort, enjoyment, and pleasure? Uh, Your fitting in with the culture of the day? Your agreeing with compromising with the world? Or your relationship with God? You're going to have to make a decision. Eternity hangs in the balance. And one last thing. Look at verse 7 again. Let me read the whole thing. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not, not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Right? I just talked about his actions condemning the world. That's the by the which he condemned the world. And then the last part of this uh, verse became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. You ever thought about it? Noah was willing to build a boat now for a mansion in the future. Right? And now what Jesus said in my Father's house, so many mansions, I go and prepare a place for you. Noah was willing to give it all and sacrifice all and build that boat now in exchange for a place in God's house, right? What the Bible calls a mansion in the future. Because of this, by faith, not, not because of his works, right? Not because of the physical building, but because the physical things he did, but because he believed God. And because he believed God, then that's why he did what he did, all right? So by faith, Noah became an heir of righteousness. By faith is how Noah lived. That's why he's recorded here. That's why he's talked about here in Hebrews chapter 11. That is what we're to learn from him is by faith. That's how Noah lived. By faith. That's how you and I are to live as well. Let me just just throw something out there and I'll end with this. 
and, and this isn't original with me. I saw this somewhere else or heard this somewhere else. But faith involves the heart, the head, and the hands. All right? Three H's. It's easy to remember, right? Heart, uh, head, and hands, right? Heart, head, and hands. Faith involves all three of those things, right? Your heart. Are you willing to give it to Jesus? Are you willing to uh, allow him into your heart, right? It's talking about a relationship, right? It takes a relationship, faith, to believe God, right? You've got to have the kind of relationship, the kind of fellowship, just like Noah had, in order to hear from God. Right? And in this case, Noah was warned by God, right? And for us to be warned by God. Right? Isn't that what the Holy Spirit does when He comes along and He convicts you and pricks you whenever you go astray? You've got to have that relationship first in order to be able to hear from God. Right? So the heart, the relationship, the believing God, right? It's what you believe. The head, right? That's your mindset. The way that you think, the way that you look at things, right? The way that you, uh, the, you know, the, your actions start in your mind, okay? And so anyways, he was, the Bible says he was moved with fear. That means respect for God's authority in judgment, right? When God spoke, he knew God meant it. He wasn't fooling around. He wasn't making empty threats, right? And so anyways, that was uh, Noah's mindset. It's the way that you think and that you see things. That's the head. And then the hands, that's the action, right? That's the last thing that we see happening here, right? It goes in that order. That's why I said heart, head, and hands. It starts in the heart, right? Because of what happens in the heart, it changes the way that you think. And because the way you're thinking has changed, then it changes what happens here, the actions that you take. With Noah, he built an ark. Right? It saved his household, condemned the world, and it's, it's talking about what you do. It's putting feet to prayers. Listen to me. Noah was saved, his family was saved, and God's plan was carried out. That's end of story. Right? That's the whole thing summed up because of Noah's faith. Right? Then we had heart, head, and hands involved. And because of that, Noah himself was saved, his family was saved, and God's plan was carried out. Can I ask you, is your family being delivered, saved, because of your faith? Is God's plan being carried out in people's lives? Because of your faith? If not, and you're recognizing that and realizing that right now, as Jennifer comes for a song of invitation, I'm going to open the altar and I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you to come and pour your heart out to the Lord. Would you stand to your feet this morning as she's coming to play a song of invitation for us? And I'm going to ask you here this morning, if you've got a need, if you've got a burden, would you come this morning? If the Spirit of God is dealing with you, would you come this morning? Whatever it is, don't miss this opportunity. 
Maybe the Spirit of God has been dealing with your heart. Maybe He's been working on you here this morning. Maybe He's convicted you of something. Uh, maybe you've not been living the life that you should, life of faith. I'm asking you, would you come this morning? Whatever it is, do not miss this opportunity. Don't miss this need, right? If God is dealing with your heart, would you come this morning? Would you come? Don't miss this opportunity. Whatever it might be, here, however the Lord might be dealing with you, would you come this morning? Please, would you come? Would you come?